Today, we will have a slightly different format as I will be speaking to an industry professional who provides virtual CISO services. Some might call it a vCISO, while others might call it CISO as a service. In any case, I feel that talking to vCISOs can shed some light and touch on slightly different topics that might be of relevance to smaller organizations and startup companies. I hope you enjoy this episode. So hello everybody. Uh, today I will be speaking to to Gregory Johnson. Um, I I think we know each, we know each other for probably six or seven years now. Uh, we I think we started our professional re relationship when you were um, at the previous position. Your previous role was uh, the CISO of a company called Perfecto Mobile. And I believe you moved on uh, just around the, the purchase date of that company. And since, and since then, I know you've been uh, doing a lot of work as a virtual CISO. You opened up your own business. And yeah, maybe you could give a quick, quick background about yourself. Yeah, my name's Gregory Johnson. I'm a 25-year uh, professional with security and networking. Got my start doing consulting and uh, learned a lot about how the businesses run on the IT side uh, and how to sell services that uh, will add value uh, over and over again to companies. And a lot of it is building relationships and then understanding the business rather than having a prepackaged set of solutions. Uh, again, I also have been a former CISO at a uh, SaaS company and been working with SaaS companies for the last 10 years. Yeah. And thank you for that. And, and you know, that's actually, uh, that's actually one of the main reasons I wanted to talk with you because I know that you've made the transition from being a full-time CISO to a virtual right. CISO. And I'd like to take your, uh, to have your take on like your specific, uh, your, your unique point of view on that. Um, yeah, and that's I, a great question. Yeah. And, and I always, I always like to, to start off with, uh, like a couple of icebreaker questions here. Uh, so the first one would be marital status. I'm married happily for 20 years. I wow. have three beautiful children with my wife and, uh, we're just plugging along. Nice. And, uh, favorite drink? Yes. <laughs> I'm, a scotch, I'm a scotch drinker. I love a good scotch, particularly John and Walker Blue. Okay. So, uh, yeah, that falls into my own experience with, with Cezos. Uh, most of the CISOs I know, they're uh, single malt kind of guys, mostly. Uh, but yeah, uh, Johnny Walker Blue, that's that's good as well. I I, I tend to stick with the uh, with the Scottish single malts. Yeah, good job. Can't go wrong with a good a good uh, single malt. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's get started. Uh, uh, what's the one thing you wish you'd known when you began your career? Yeah, one of the things that I think all of us learn along the way is the importance of uh, marketing yourself as an individual and a, as a company, treating yourself like a company in your career. Uh, you know, when I first started out, I just thought, you know, keep your head down, work hard, and eventually your time will come. Uh, but as I grew and had different opportunities pass me by, I realized a lot of what I wasn't doing was promoting myself, promoting my value promoting the impact that I had on any particular project or engagement. So I would encourage anybody who's early in their career or just in that mid-level or not having the success they want, promote yourself. Help other people understand the value that you add and, and constantly sell yourself and treat yourself like a company. 
Yeah, and uh, yeah, I personally think that's a great advice. I, I also learned that uh, relatively late in my career, but uh, yeah, I, I, can, I can relate to that. Uh, what would you say uh, was your biggest failure and what did you take out of that? What did you learn? Yeah, you know, I've had a couple of situations, particularly on the consulting side, where uh, you're in a room full of people and they're asking for your professional opinion and you're stuck between telling them what they need to hear and then telling the truth. Um, so I, I believe I would say that my biggest failure was sitting in a room and not reading the cues properly. And when I was asked what my professional opinion was, I gave my personal opinion. And the professional opinion sometimes is I will get back to you with a better answer. Uh, just really uh, kind of going a little deeper. We were going over a design concept and some, this was somebody's baby. And I told them what I told them in my opinion that the person who designed it did it wrong. And that was a terrible mistake. So sometimes we have to kind of read the cues a little bit more, understand who we're talking to, who's in the room, and sometimes just take a back seat to those experts, if you will, and, and not call the baby ugly. That's kind of the rule of thumb that I've learned to live by. What would you have done differently looking back on your career? That's a great question. Um, when I look back on it, I probably would have taken a little bit more uh, a risk in terms of some of the activities that I did. Uh, again, punching the clock nine to five, just thinking I'm doing the right thing. I would have probably stayed a little longer, spent a little bit more time uh, engaging with people who were more expert, spending that extra time just learning new concepts and technologies. I wouldn't get comfortable in any particular role if I had it all to do over again and uh, spent more time just putting myself out there again, promoting myself and promoting relationships uh, to see if uh, I could have done better with those opportunities that did come across my table. Sometimes again, it's just about who you know and uh, not necessarily where you're at in any particular uh, stage of your career. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and throughout your career, uh, what would you say were the best resources that have helped you along the way? And that could be, you know, anything from individuals to, you know, vendors to colleagues to, to family members. Yeah, you know, I, I have to say it's other people. Um, this has been the biggest, this would be a common theme in our interview. Uh, there's no greater value than that person that opens a door for you and just creates an opportunity or they see value in what you do. So I would have to say it's other people, whether it's a mentor who can just advise you and lead you and guide you and make an introduction, or it's even a customer uh, and just having a great relationship with another individual. And then I would even point out to our relationship, you know, just being able to have that professional camaraderie where you can bounce ideas off of one another, it's invaluable. None of us can be an island in this industry anymore. We really do have to have connections. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and just to expand on that, uh, would you, do you have like a specific uh, example of three people that have been very influential to you? Yeah, I, I was tr thinking about this question quite a bit and I was trying to uh, be specific in terms of people uh, that I've met along the way, but I would just say mentors and teachers. Uh, at each stage of my career, I've had somebody that I've connected with who was either in my department, in my group, or someone who was leading the organization who was able to inspire me. And even just having that time to just listen to what they do and ask them questions and say, well, why do you think that way? How did you get to where you are today? And just being able to ask those open-ended questions have been very influential to me. And I've had former CISOs, I've had department heads, or even again, just teachers and on the academic side who've been able to 
influence, influence greatly my decision making and or even my thought process. Uh, there's nothing like having that been there, done that attitude uh, that comes from the people that have taught you. Yeah. And this is one of the reasons I really like this uh, newly formed podcast. Uh, you know, the, the fact that I'm able to connect with a lot of uh, leading CISOs in the industry and just ask them those uh, open-ended questions and, you know, you get all kinds of responses. And personally, uh, I learn a lot and I hope, uh, you know, my listeners will too as well. Mm. And I really appreciate you putting this together. I think this is an incredible resource and tool for those of us in the industry and even those who are thinking about uh, being a part of it at some point in the future. Yep. Uh, what would you say the one common myth about your profession or, or our profession or field that you want to debunk? Yeah, I think if I could say anything, it would be to my young people. And that's, you know, don't feel like you got to go to school for 20 years to do this. You know, there's a lot of online resources that are available to you. There's a lot of free material out there. The industry needs young people who are just interested rather than someone who's already been trained and been doing it for 20 years. Um, so I would say, don't feel like you got to go to school for 20 years. Don't feel like you have to have a PhD or even be great at math or coding. Those things are great. Uh, but sometimes just having a curious mind is really what we need in this industry. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, let me ask you a follow-up question here because I, I see this thread a lot in uh, professional forums that I'm a member of. A lot of young people, uh, individuals are coming in like you know 18 20 year olds and they're asking like okay so where do I start what do I need to mm -hmm. learn first do I need to do to go the PT route do I need to do the CISSP route CISA what what should I learn first and then you you hear all kinds of answers you know for like different opinions I, I guess and I'd like to have your take on that you know one of the things that I enjoyed uh, when I was coming up, I was, it was around the dot-com boom. And I just had the opportunity to try a whole bunch of things. And, you know, you make all kinds of errors as a young person. And, and I think that's really the opportunity. Just, just try anything and just see where it takes you and let your mind be open to the experience of learning. And then over time, I think the thing that'll happen is you'll start latching on to something that just makes more sense to you and you'll enjoy it. And then the joy of doing it is really where your career will blossom. So I would say try a few things. And I wouldn't focus on getting a certification, even though those things are great, I would focus on the experience. And again, the relationships and the people, and even if you can be tied to an organization that matches a mission that you're focused on or an area that you're interested in, uh, just focus on those things and see where it takes you. And if there's a lot of internships out there, there's a lot of opportunities for uh, you to be connected through your school, or even if you are a mid-career professional, uh, you know, just connect with somebody who's doing or an organization that's doing something and sharing information and allow that to be a vehicle for you to create an opportunity for yourself. Yeah, and I actually gave a very similar uh, answer to, to a colleague just um, probably just a week ago. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and uh, this actually uh, reminds me a quote. Uh, I think it goes... You can never cross the ocean unless you have the courage to lose sight of the shore. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, and yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I mean, um, learning something is better than learning nothing. So if you're just, uh, I think it's also called uh, paralysis by analysis. If you keep analyze and, you know, just avoid taking decisions, you won't get anywhere. Um, Absolutely. 
Okay, let's switch gears here. Let's talk a bit about yourself and your company. Uh, so what market do you say you, you operate in right now? Information security consulting. Mm -hmm. so we and focus on, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, please go ahead. Yeah, we focus on uh, helping companies build a governance program around their security program. Uh, one of the things I've learned along the way is that companies are willing to sacrifice having their own security programs, mostly because they don't know what they don't know. So what I really enjoy doing is helping companies understand uh, where there's value and how the business can align their security programs very nicely so they don't have to overspend. And that's really where the virtual CISO service comes in. You know, wherever you're at, whatever you see your company's focus is, we can come in and just support that uh, with very few hours a month, just give you that analysis and that direction that you need to make sure that you're thinking about the right things to help your company grow. And if there is an emergency, we're available for that. Or if there's any concerns that you're having in terms of new projects or programs, we can just be those hands on the ground and, and extra eyes and ears to help you, again, make better business decisions. And I believe that's really the value of a CISO, whether you're a full-timer or a part-time virtual or physical person who's part of the company. We're just here to help, make, help you make better business decisions using the information that's available in your organization. And uh, deciphering all the data points so that you can get to a few key elements that will help direct your organization. Okay, so that was uh, about your offering and uh, what is it that you do when you start uh, your engagement with companies? Do you have like any specific uh, um, target market or specific market segments actually that you, did, did you have a sweet spot for? Yeah, we really like the small to medium sized companies, uh, but we can work with enterprise and have worked with enterprises before. Uh, and we really enjoy the uh, companies that are starting to look at and see a need for uh, regulatory uh, alignment. So whether we're talking about HIPAA, SOC 2, ISO, certainly we're, we're dealing more and more with GDPR and even CCPA here in the United States, or for those that are listening that may not know, that's the California Privacy Act. Privacy-related matters are becoming more and more the issue of the land. So helping companies decipher those and get down to practical next steps is where we like to focus. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, great. Thank you for that. Uh, and what would you say the most common challenges your customers are faced with are? Yeah, a lot of them are focused and struggling with what they don't know. So a new regulation will come out, they know that they have to adhere to it, and they really just don't know what the next step is. What are the practical next steps that they need to take to be uh, in alignment with that regulation? And then how do they do it in a way that's efficient and effective so they're not just throwing money out the window, if you will? Uh, so I could take, again, something like the California Privacy Act that came very quickly onto the scene, and then what are those steps you need to take to make sure that you're in alignment with it? that you're managing privacy and uh, the regulations around privacy. And then again, how do you make sure again, if there's no compliance or if there's no uh, certification for it, that you're, you're meeting all of the points that that law was intended. So that's again, something that we focus on with our customers. Yeah, okay, great. And uh, so as an external vendor yourself and you know and you've made the transition from from being a full-time CISO to a virtual CISO so that means you work as a vendor yourself nowadays mm -hmm. and I can only assume that 
for the you know the companies that you that you work with they work with other vendors as well right. so how would you define your relationship with other vendors and what what's your advice on how to play well together and again i i and, and maybe you can take uh you can have like two two answers for this question so like um because in the past you were working as a full-time CISO, so your relationship with vendor was somewhat different, I, I presume. Maybe you can touch about the differences as well. Sure. So as a full-timer, one of the things that really I was challenged with is managing my budget and making sure that I can give an account for every dollar that was spent. So I, I would have list a mile long of things that needed to be done, and I would probably have enough money to deal with one or two of those things. So vendor selection always came down to price, and then you're always working with your vendors to see how much you can get in addition to uh, the money that you were going to spend with them and uh, getting more for the service for every dollar that you're spending. Uh, as a part-time CISO or a virtual CISO, I spend less time haggling and negotiating and more time selling the overall relationship. So, uh, and this is on both sides, with the vendor themselves, helping them understand that there's an opportunity here for us, not just to have this one-time event, but to help this company grow. And so I look at it as a partnership on both sides, a partnership with the vendor between my organization and theirs, and also a partnership with the customer. So the customer is getting a team of individuals rather than, you know, spending money just on a particular invoice. So again, you're building teams, and sometimes the, having a pain point that we're all focused on allows that team to gel very nicely around uh, uh, everybody's mutual interest, which is to grow their business. Mm -hmm. And what would you say your biggest challenge uh, is when working, when starting to work with a new customer? Yeah, again, I think the challenge with the customer is the customer understands their business better than we do. So they often think and have solved the problem themselves by saying, I just need to get a security guy and that security guy can fix all of these problems. And so generally what we have to do is help them change their thinking and evolve their thinking to focus less on their immediate needs and think about the strategy and aligning the program to the business and helping them look at security, not just as a quick fix, uh, but how it can add value to the business with a little bit more investment. So it's always about trying to mature the thought process around what, what they're looking at today and what their problems are going to be tomorrow and making sure, again, they're getting the best in their investment. Yeah, and I think I've seen that in the past in a bunch of companies. I think the the tendency uh, in a lot of uh, uh, smaller companies that are not yet, that have not yet reached maturity mm -hmm. is to focus on the burning issues and to put out fires all day long. And by doing that, there, I mean, I'm not saying that's not important, but uh, you also have to have to, you have to deal with the strategic uh, pieces as well. Because if you don't do that, you will just keep chasing your tail and putting out fires all day long for years to come. Uh, and I think that's the main challenge with smaller companies that have yet to reach maturity in, in uh, information security. Totally agree. Um, so yeah, so we were talking about the biggest challenge, like big challenges when starting to work with a new customer. Uh, do you have something similar uh, to that when like, what's the big, biggest challenge when starting to work with a new vendor? Uh, with a vendor or a customer? With a vendor, 
trying to make sure that I'm making, I'm engaging with the vendor to help them understand what the business problem is that I'm trying to solve so that they're not just selling me a product, but they're helping me actually fix the bigger issue. There's a lot of great tools out there, but they're not necessarily, I can implement tools all day. If I'm not fixing the bigger issue that the customer is facing, there's no value in the partnership on either side. Um, so getting alignment to that is somewhat of a challenge. So mm -hmm. again, we're talking, we could be in a governance issue. We could be talking about maturity. Uh, we could just be talking about visibility. And in any particular case that we're looking at, if we're not aligned properly, we're just throwing money away. Yeah. So yeah, so basically business alignment, right? I would say. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I think we've touched about, uh, we've touched around that uh, in one of the previous questions, but what would you say the biggest difference between your role now uh, as opposed to that of a full-time CISO is? Impact. I, I believe we have very a very short runway to make an impact with our customer. Uh, we have to not only address the immediate need, but we have to constantly be able to hit the ground running on any given, at any given moment and make a big impact on the company. Uh, with a full-time role, you have time to build relationships, get to know all parties involved, to have those water cooler conversations where you can kind of know the problem that you're trying to solve behind the problem. Mm -hmm. uh, as a virtual CISO, you don't have time for any of that. You have yeah. to come in with the ground running, solve the problem, and then still try to build a good relationship with your customer. Yeah. Well, having the, a fraction of a salary and a fraction of the time to do that's that. right that's yeah. right and, and really our job we have to somehow find a way to get past the transactional nature of a virtual CISO and get to a deeper trust so that you can be an advisor and that's really that's kind of the fun in the job too is you don't have all the politics but you have all the problems or opportunities <laughs> you want to look at it that way yeah in your opinion if if I were to talk with one of your customers what would they say about you what would they say that the, they like the most about working with you actually uh, I always get told how comfortable I make them feel around security. Uh, I don't get rattled easy. You know, I've been around for a long time. So I've seen a lot of problems that customers are facing all the time. This, even if the company name changes, it's the same problem. And so just being able to approach any particular set of issues with a calm demeanor, help them understand what their opportunities are, and then help their customer that they're ultimately trying to influence understand as well. So building that bridge between I don't know and I need to do, and then being in a position where they have someone that they can go to who has a level of expertise and confidence in the ability to express next steps and best ideas uh, for wherever the situation is that we're dealing with. Okay. And in a perfect world, if there were 100 customers just lying outside your door, who would you say your ideal customer was? What kind of traits or, you know, or features would they have? You know, this one was an easy one for me in the sense that I love a customer who understands of allowing me to have a seat at the table because that inherently understands, they understand that the more information I have, the better asset that I can be to their team. Okay, fair enough. Uh, and so what qualities don't you like in a customer? Uh, you know, a lot of customers still don't understand what security means. It just feels to them that there's this, uh, it's just a, something they have to do rather than something that if they did it, it makes everything better. So they don't put as much energy into it because of this bias, if you will, uh, towards the unknown. 
So I like customers who understand that if they bake security into their process, into their methodology, it really can be a value add rather than, you know, kind of throwing it in at the last minute to say we did something. Um, so customers with enough forethought, forethought and visibility to understand that security can be a differentiator. And if you have the right person helping you do that, um, it's a win-win for everybody. Okay. Um, so if any of our listeners want to connect with you online, where would they go? Do you have a website, a blog, a LinkedIn page? Yeah, I have a LinkedIn page, which I'll share with you. And my email is greg at cicataconsulting.com. And our website is www.cicata, S-E-K-A-D-A, consulting.com. Okay. Easy enough. Uh, and just, we're about to be wrapping this up here. Uh, just a couple of quick uh, questions to before you leave. Uh, and this one is a fun question I like to ask. Well, it's, it's fun for me. Um, if you had unlimited funds, what would you do with your life? You know, uh, that's always a fun question to think about, and I hope we're all there one day. Uh, but if I had unlimited funds, I would definitely make sure that the next few generations of my family and beyond were set. And then turn my attention to things that are I'm really passionate about, which is addressing uh, the underserved nature, un underserved nature of my community. Um, whether we're talking about food security issues or just even understanding the value of not just being a consumer of technology, but someone who can actually use it to solve problems. So I'd be trying, I would try to teach a little more uh, and bring more young people into the awareness of what technology can do for them as a career path. So creating opportunities and possibly open up a school or just do more mentoring if I could. And if I remember correctly, you already engage in, in such activities, right? Yes, I do. I have a number of young people that I work with uh, each year. Uh, this year, I, I'm very fortunate to have uh, 10 to 12 young people that I work with who I'm currently mentoring and we're putting them through various uh, classes with AWS and Cisco. And we hope to have all of them certified uh, in one or two programs and also be ready to start internships somewhere along in their career, uh, maybe by, towards the end of this year. Nice. Very impressive. Well, okay. Very blessed to be able to give back in some way to my community. Impressive, no, no less. Um, anything you've read, listened to, watched lately that have inspired you? I'm reading a book by Ken Harris called The Rise of the Servant Kings. One of my uh, true beliefs is that any good leader is a servant first uh, and leads by example. So I'm finding this book to be very inspirational and it's just a good reminder that no matter how far we get in our careers, our first job is to always give back and to help others be successful. Uh, so I rec it's recommended reading for any leader. Okay, uh, so that was Ken Harris. Ken Harris. What, what was the Rise name again? The Rise of the Servant Kings. Rise of the Servant Kings. Okay. Yeah, it will be on the transcript as well. Um, great. So, um, I'm out of question for today and I'm happy because I wanted to be respectful of your time. Um, yeah. So let me just uh, thank you again for taking the time to jump on this uh, podcast. I know it was a bit of a last minute here, uh, but yeah, I do appreciate you taking the time. Hopefully uh, we'd be able to, uh, to, 
to connect again in the near future and maybe someday even even meet up in person once uh, you know some restrictions are lifted uh, yeah and until then um, hopefully you could come again at some point uh, to share your uh, ongoing experience and uh, and accomplishments here thank you Ben I really look forward to it I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to speak to your listening community thank you Greg Thank you for joining us for another episode of CISO's Insiders. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more professional content, please check us out on social media.